0: Inside the Adventure, episode number 29 with Chris Bricard.
1: If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosier, and today I'm thrilled to be speaking with Chris Burcard, an accomplished explorer, photographer, creative director, speaker, and author. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. How's everything going?
0: It's good. Thank you, Marshall. I appreciate you uh, letting me be on the show and and chat a little bit today.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm a huge fan of your work, and I can't wait to, to share your story. Uh, But really quickly, before diving into Chris's story, I've got to brag a little bit about all the amazing things he's done to truly set the (laughs) stage for how remarkable uh, this Uh interview is going to be. So I know a lot of pressure, uh, but (laughs) I know it's going to be great. So to tell you a little bit more about Chris, uh, traveling throughout the year to pursue the furthest expanses of Earth, Chris works to capture stories that inspire humans to consider their relationship with nature while promoting the preservation of wild places everywhere. His visionary perspective has earned him opportunities to work on global prominent campaigns with Fortune 500 clients, speak on the TED stage, design product lines, educate, and publish a growing collection of books. Along with his team, Chris is based out of his production studio and art gallery in the central coast of California. So far, Chris and his team have inspired over 2 million followers to forge a relationship with nature through his Instagram account, at Chris Burkard, his photography, and the countless speeches he's delivered all over the world. And he's not even 30 yet, uh, which is pretty <laughs> remarkable.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel a bit older than that. I'm not going to lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably had more experiences than someone who'd be 100, uh, fit into a lifetime of, in just 30 years. So it's it's a true honor yeah, to have p- you on the show. Potentially. That's true. Oh, That's thank
0: true. you so much. Yeah, I know it's it's a it's really um, it's it's you know, it's great to be in those places. It's so inspiring in many ways to to see, um, you know, these remote wild parts of the, of the globe. But to be honest, to to come back and share them and kind of relate them to people like, hey, this is something you could do yourself is is I think my my greatest mission, you know, is just to to try and um, break down the barriers of what it's like to travel and what it's like to, you know, go to these places. And, and, and that's really what I hope to do. So I'm so I'm excited to share.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think you're doing a great job. And I think, you know, we we don't know what we don't know. And I think through seeing the things that you've published, it really helps to inspire people to realize what's out there and to go take a look for themselves. So, yep, totally. I think it's fantastic. And I'm a huge fan of your work. And I can't wait to hear more about your story. But before we talk about the present day, let's jump back in time a bit. Tell us who was Chris Picard as a child and how did you fall in love with the outdoors?
0: Yeah, that's a funny one. You know, so, I mean, in all, in all honesty, I, I grew up, um, in the central coast of California. I had a, you know, single mom and I, I didn't really have my, my experiences in the outdoors were limited to like going to national parks that were close by Yosemite and, uh, and places like that, you know, places that we could easily get to in a weekend, you know, it wasn't like these big, um, you know, international trips or anything like that, to be honest. Um, in fact, that was all something that came way later. So, um, what, what really inspired me first and foremost was just simply this concept of like exploring my own backyard. Like I was always interested to like go and see where, um, you know, places I hadn't been, you know, aspects of the, the coast and, and, um, my own home that they were just interesting to me. And so, um, I think that's kind of where my interest sparked. I remember doing a couple of road trips when I was a kid to Yellowstone and, and, you know, Yosemite, Joshua tree, grand Canyon, and those places kind of left an impression on me. And it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until I started to travel like in my twenties. Um, I didn't get a passport till I was about 20 years old and, or 21, something like that. And, um, that I realized how special those places were to me, you know, the, the, the places around my home and. And it's kind of why I decided to settle in central California. You know, I could, I could have my career anywhere in the world, but I decided to be here because I just, I loved, I loved the, um, the simplicity and no traffic and the, the access to wild places was really important to me.
2: Absolutely. Is that where you grew up as well in, in the Southern California area?
0: Um, yeah, so I, I grew up, yeah. in, in um, in basically, uh, Pismo beach, which is, you know, halfway between LA and San Francisco.
2: Awesome. And. And tell us more about your family uh, did you have any brothers or sisters or an only child um, yeah places?
0: i was i was uh, I was an only child until um about twelve years old and then I had my uh, my mom got uh, um, married and and I had basically three step brothers that that joined or two step brothers and a half brother. so it was kind of a his hers and ours scenario and I always grew up with lots of uncles and and you know cousins and this and that so it was it was always something where like Shared experiences were always uh, I think really important to me and and better and so that was kind of made a big difference You know,
2: absolutely and how did photography and your passion um, for capturing? uh, Your amazing travels and photos emerge from that love for the outdoors
0: Yeah, you know, that's a funny one because I didn't really envision it being like that in the beginning Uh, to be to be honest it was like I did art in high school And it was a super expressive and fun medium, but, um, I didn't, I I was kind of disenchanted by the idea of being stuck on a hillside with an easel somewhere. Right. I mean, so cool to be able to draw and paint and whatnot, but like the fact that it can't take you into the mountains or into the ocean wasn't really exciting. So, um, I started to look at other mediums and photography came up and it was like, wow, this is it. You know, this is, this is the ultimate, you know, you can you can, you know, take into social settings, into the ocean, into the water, into the mountains. And that was super fulfilling to me. And I guess that's kind of what um, I really tried to um, spend my time uh, focusing on. And, and I realized that this was something that could actually take me somewhere. This was something that I could travel with. And I could, I could really, like, give people um, a sense of, of what I cared about through, through this platform.
2: Absolutely. So what was your, your first camera and who introduced you to photography in the first place?
0: Um, it's, it's funny. It's actually, so my, my wife today, her mom, um, I, her first camera or her camera was the first one that I used. Um, and it was just an old, you know, Canon, like had like a hippie camera strap, like film, like, you know, who knows AE one or something like that. Um, and, and that was the first thing I ever used. And I just, you know, ran a couple rolls of film through it and, and finally eventually got my own.
2: That's awesome. So did you start with film before moving to digital? Yeah,
0: 100%. I actually shot, you know, a lot of film for the first couple of years of my career and a lot of slide film and a lot of uh, medium format film. And, and, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't until like maybe two years into my into shooting that I started to, I got my first digital camera, which was like a Canon 20D.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, I started with digital. I wish I kind of started with film as well because the basics are, are just so important. But Uh, it's definitely makes life easier with digital. So once, um, once you really got more involved with photography and found a way to combine that with your passion for traveling, uh, take me through the journey of how you turn that passion into a career and what you're doing now.
0: (laughs) Um, you know, the the sad thing is, uh, there's not an easy answer. Most people, when they ask this question, they want some, like, you know, how do you turn your passion into a, into a career, you know, and it's like, the truth of the matter is like, yeah, do you, you know, at least for me, I can't speak to everybody else's experience. Cause I honestly don't know what they've gone through or went through, but at least for me, it was, you know, five years of like living in my car and shooting every single day and, and, um, you know, eating, you know, like borderline, uh, <laughs> questionable food and, right, dude, and just kind of, <laughs> yeah, living and breathing and photography. Um, and and that's honestly the, the truth of the matter. Like it wasn't this like just super simple, easy thing where it was like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. Like I'm gonna go for it. Um, right.
2: There's no f- switch <clears> that you would flip and uh, make totally. it into a career for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so that was that was the truth of the matter. It's like it was it was a long, arduous process. And I had a job, and I just decided I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna see if this is um, if this is something that I can make into a career. And I'm, uh, I'm going to see if this is something that I can invest my time into and like 100% and see where I end up. And if I was going to be face down in the dirt, then great. If I was going to be thriving, then even better. But I just wanted to know, you know, like that, you know, I hate that feeling of like wondering, you know, how, what would this be like? You know, it always, it eats away at you. And so I was just so empowered by the fact that like photography could potentially become this creative outlet for me that could make, that could be a career.
2: Absolutely. And that's, the exact right mindset um, that I think you have to have. And and one of the big takeaways that I hope to have from this podcast uh, that you really just have to jump into it, not knowing what the results or the implications are going to be, but um, something you're passionate about that you want to follow no matter what. So take us through that decision-making process when, when you had a job, but you wanted to pursue this idea and, and you wanted to give it your all with doing it full time. Uh, what were people's, reactions to that when you told them did people think uh you're crazy for for leaving your job and doing this and how did you get through um people telling you essentially uh that you shouldn't do that
0: yeah you know the, the <laughs> there <clears throat> excuse me there wasn't a lot of like disbelievers or like you know anything like that but definitely there was some people who were bummed out mainly because um uh mainly because it was something where like my mom wanted me to, um, uh, wanted me to go to college, you know, and I had great opportunities to attend college and, and go to college and, and, and be one of the first people in my family to, um, uh, to, to do that. And, and honestly, I felt really torn. I was bummed out because I felt like I was letting somebody down that I really cared about. And, you know, and, and it was just the truth. The matter was, I knew that for my career, there, there wasn't an option. It wasn't like a, It wasn't like a clear, easy decision like, oh, college is the way to go to become an adventure photographer or whatever. You know, I would be sitting in class and and just thinking about all the the swell that I was missing or all the the opportunities to shoot that I was kind of passing up. Right. And um, and so I sat there at this job. I was working in a magazine store in Pismo Beach um, and, you know. I realized that like what drew me to work there was like, oh man, I'll be surrounded by pictures of these beautiful places that will inspire me to, to want to, you know, work harder. And what I realized was it just made me go crazy. Right. Um, and so I, I quickly, uh, I quickly realized that like that was the worst thing I could have done. And I knew that I had to just go full bore. Right. At that point I had been making, you know, measly bucks shooting, um, you know, everything from wedding photos to anything else, you know? Um, so that was kind of my decision process was like, Hey, like this has to be for me. I want to do this. I didn't want to be influenced. I feel like so many people these days, they go to school and they make decisions for other people and, um, or to, to, to make other people feel proud of them or to give them some sort of kind of, um, I don't know, to give them some, some sense of like, you know, accomplishment that, that in, in the end doesn't really, doesn't really benefit them at all, you know, and that was just the reality was like, I knew that I had to do this for me and I had to try.
2: Absolutely. That's so true. And I'm sure it's very difficult in, in the beginning years of when you were doing that. Uh, like you were saying before, it really spent five years of traveling around, living out of a van, eating questionable things. Uh, how did you get through the, the, the low periods during that time when you were doing what you love, but maybe didn't get the traction you wanted or, um, whatever, uh, obstacles you faced along the way, how did you get through those?
0: Um, yeah, you know, there's nobody who really like, um, there's nobody who really like, is there to lay out like, Oh man, this is, you know, you're going to face this and this and this. I just, I just had to, you know, that's the reality is when anytime you try to forge a path, you're going to end up, you know, dealing with, um, with obstacles that you never really envisioned in the beginning. And that's exactly kind of what happened. Like I just, I just sort of learned as I went. Um, and I just sort of figured it out, um, the hard way. And I've always been, I've always been a bit better at doing that, you know, like okay. just learning and, and it's never really, um, it's never really, a, a an easy thing to figure out, but like, yeah, you know, you realize like, Oh, well, like I broke, I, you know, I ruined $30,000 with the camera gear in Chile because of this, or I, You know, Oh, I should have, you know, I spent a night in a Russian jail cell because of this, you know, or something along those lines. Like that's just the, what happens when you're young and you travel and you're naive and you want to take over the world and you think that, you know, everything, you know, like that's just the truth of the matter is that it's, uh, it's a super challenging career path to, um, to forge yourself. But Absolutely. If, willing, but, if you, yeah, but if you make it through that, like it's it's so rewarding, so so rewarding.
2: That's so true. I'm sure you've learned some incredible lessons along the way, and I uh, you, you can't mention spending the night in a Russian jail cell and breaking thirty thousand dollars worth of equipment without explaining the stories. So <laughs> tell us
0: what. Happened I mean they're there. they're probably they're probably too too long of stories for this. Uh, true. Well, maybe we can uh, <clears> this podcast, it. but but essentially, like you know, when I remember being in Chile and we. We, um, we had these plans to go down to this far South kind of remote town and go to this outer reef and long story short, you know, we found the wave and we found the spot and it was just this stunning location, but we couldn't figure out how to get out there. So we, we early in the morning, we went down to the dock and we found this boat captain who was kind of, you know, reeked of alcohol and slurring his words. And he took us out in this small boat and. He just wasn't paying attention, you know, basically asleep at the wheel in this tiny pontoon and a wave swung really wide and came really close to us and just overtook the whole front of the boat and doused me with salt water and all of my camera gear just soaked uh, because he was, you know, <laughs> kind of like dozing <laughs> off, I think. So, you know, lesson learned, you know, don't don't. Um, Most of the lessons that I've learned have been because um, have been because of like a lack of of patience and just wanting to kind of like push through and make it happen. And, and I think that at a certain extent you need that in your career, that's important, but at the same time, it's also, it can be detrimental. And so that was kind of the key is like, I just learned like, Oh wow. Well, you know, that was something I don't want to do again.
1: Absolutely. And then,
0: and then in Russia, I, same thing, you know, I, this was an interesting, very pivotal time in my career. I, I, um, I really wanted to travel to these cold water locations and I kind of realized like this is where I wanted to be This is where I wanted to go But I hadn't really put in the time and energy to really properly do my planning Nowadays a real a good trip, you know takes me two to three years to plan, right? It's something that has to happen a certain time of year. I've got the logistics down I just have to figure out the right time to go and with Russia. It was like well I have the opportunity. I'm gonna make it happen. I went And I got there and basically had visa issues and everybody else in my crew went through. But I got stuck at customs arguing and being interrogated for six hours and then thrown in a Russian jail cell and then deported to Korea 24 hours later. And um, it was a brutal, brutal experience because nobody, nobody at 22 years old knows what it's like to, you know, have all their rights stripped from them. You know, if you come from like a small town in central California, you know, it's just not something that you're used to. So I, I felt I was really, um, it was really opening, and it was really a good le- learning thing, mainly because I can share it now. But the truth of the matter is like, I had this passion to go to these places and I wanted to go and see them. But I realized that I had compromised the process of going there before I even left my door. You know, you, you, you travel to, to be changed. You travel to, um, to ideally come back a better version of yourself than you left. Right. That's Absolutely. just that's just the reason that you do it, and no matter what anybody else tells you. And the truth of the matter is I had kind of compromised that process. And um, nowadays I'm much more tactful, much more patient, much more calm about the places that I go. And I try to ha- put a lot more meaning behind them as opposed to just being the first person to go there. I don't want to be the first person to go there. I want to be the person that that spent the time and, and did his research and, and really brought something back, gave something from someone, you know?
2: Absolutely. And I'm really glad you shared those stories because I think they really embody the, the fact that bad things or unforeseen events are going to happen to everyone doing something like this, no matter how careful you are. And, and I think it, it's really amazing to see how you got through that. What's the mindset that you have to have when those things happen to push through the bad times and the hurdles and to ultimately make it work?
0: Spending the time to, I think, do your research and and educate yourself on what what you have to do, what has to happen, and and that's sort of the most challenging challenging process. Is like when you're, you, I, I wrote this in a in a article um, a couple a couple months ago, I think, somewhere, and I said like the, the best or no, it was, it was on my website somewhere actually. I was responding to someone's question. I said, you know, the best thing that you can do is um is be a good researcher right? Learning how to research correctly. And that's always one of the most challenging things that I face is like people ask me questions sometimes and I'm like, really, is this the question that you have? Like the answer that you could easily find on Google or uh, somewhere on the internet, you know, like I know, I know you, I know you have access to it because you got in touch with me and it's like, I just, I want to give people responses to things that like, they're not going to be able to easily find. I want to share with them like the, the, the challenging, you know, the hard fought, hard learned stuff that you can't just find anywhere. So I just think that I'm always shocked by that. Like that's always the, the key thing for me is like when I met sort of my mentors when I was early, when I was younger, I really tried to be conscious of like, what was I going to ask? What was I going to, what, what was really going to be a benefit to me? You know, was it going to be something that I could easily find in an interview or something like that? And, and I realized really quickly that I often, I often wanted to find a different answer than the, than the one I already knew was there. right? We right. don't want to hear, we don't want to hear the things that we don't want to hear, right? You don't want to hear that oh yeah, it takes five to ten years to like get yourself off the ground and make a career for yourself, and yada yada, yada, like that's just not something that that younger younger kids starting out want to know, so that's kind of the answer yeah, totally, and that's kind of a, a super a big bummer, you know um, that's true.
2: Well, I think just... you uh, you definitely learn a lot from the stories of others and from, from mentors that can kind of guide your way. And, you know, I've actually, uh, from the time that we had this podcast set up, I was talking to a few other people, including other podcast guests who were in similar space uh, with uh, travel and photography. And a few people mentioned you as being... A um, kind of an inspiration and really kind of um, something someone they look up to in terms of what they want to become. Um, who were the mentors and the inspirations that you had that helped you get started, and how did you start that relationship with them?
0: Uh, I mean, honestly, it was just a matter of I, I did two internships when I was younger. I did an internship at Transworld Surf, and I did an intern. Sh- I did a sort of mentorship, like. Um, I spent a couple months. It wasn't really an internship, but with Michael Fattali, a large format landscape photographer. And, and the truth of the matter is that what I, the, the things I learned the most were just from listening, right? It wasn't from asking questions. It was just from listening and just from trying to take in that stuff. We, we've kind of we've kind of lost the art of listening these days. Um, and so one of the the key things for me was just trying to take in um, everything that they had to offer, you know, and in, in terms of how they carried themselves, how they how they did this, how they did that. And, and, um, my, those things came about from really just steady conversation over a period of months, years. It wasn't something that, that happened right away. It wasn't something that just came out of nowhere. It was like, I, um, I was submitting to trans world. Um, you know, I, I had kind of made a a semi relationship with the editor there and had, had communicated with him and, and told him that I would, I would love to do an internship if an opportunity arose. and And he, you know, reached back to me, gave me the details. And so I, 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 made it happen. Um, but to be honest, it's, um, it's, it's, it was a really challenging thing. You know, I left my house every day at, at three in the morning or every, every Monday at three in the morning, drove five hours to Oceanside and then worked for a week, you know, and slept out of my car. Um, and to be honest, it's just not something that most people are willing to do. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty gnarly. That's so uh, true. but you know, yeah. from,
2: like from the audience perspective, we only see the finished product, Uh, you know, a photo, a trailer for a new film, um, a a beautiful way to capture a a scene. But can you take us behind the scenes of the prep, the planning, the journey and how you get those shots? I think a lot of people don't realize what goes into it.
0: Well, I think it always starts in your office, right? It starts behind a computer somewhere. Um, It starts usually with just the process of like, of figuring out like, I mean, here's the here's the reality is that when you're in you're in nature. You're shooting landscapes and whatnot. Uh, it's it's really challenging because it, everything's reactionary, right? You're always reacting to something. Something, you know, a sunset, this and that. So yada yada yada. And it, it, there's all these variables. So the more variables you can take out, the more variables you can remove, the better. Because then you're going to be more uh, focused on what you want to create. Also, too, just the amount of planning that you do. You know, the 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 more you know, the less you need. Yvonne Chouinard said that, and it's like one of the the best things you could ever implement into your, your, uh, right. <laughs> into your life that's as a, a photographer. Say. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so, it's so true and so powerful. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that if you do that, if you focus on, um, you know, focus on the things that you, you know, you want the things that you know, you want to do that, that, you know, it's going to really simplify so much. And that's just for me, like, I think in terms of the back, You know, you asked about like the backstory, how to, sorry, (laughs) it's early here. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, you asked about the backstory of like how the images are created. Well, it usually starts behind my computer. You know, it's like a, okay, I've got an assignment. I'm going here. I'm going to Yosemite or I'm going wherever. Maybe it's a personal trip. Maybe it's an assignment somewhere. Um, And I'm really just trying to understand and learn everything I can about the place that I'm going. Right. I want to, you know, that's the play. That's the time when I look at the postcard photos, I look at what everybody else has shot. I try to educate myself. What do I need to bring? What do I, you know, what I need to do? What's the planning going to be like? How am I going to get there? You know, rental cars, uh, you know, for example, like some of the best photos I ever shot were in Lake Moline out in Banff National Park. And I was there on a tourism project. But the truth of the matter is just just for an example, you know, that that I hadn't really seen any photographs of Lake Moline Spirit Island um, under sunset. And so I knew that if I wanted to go and shoot that under sunset, I did the research, uh, the, the tourist boats, they stop at like six or 5 PM, you know, the sun doesn't set till seven. So you can't, you can't go on a tourist boat out there and, and shoot a great picture. So I knew that I had to kayak the seven miles out there and, you know, have my stuff for overnight camping and shoot and do the whole, you know, bring food and everything. So yeah, we didn't, we didn't plan our whole trip around that one photograph. But if the opportunity arose, we wanted to be ready for it. And this is one of the biggest things you just you prepare yourself for opportunities. I I firmly believe, um, you know, Marshall, that there's no there is no truly just like photos that just happen, you know, just luck, just whatever. If you had your camera on you, you were somewhat prepared. Right. So even if you have your iPhone on you, you're somewhat prepared. Nothing just happens out of nowhere. So what I try to do is I try to be prepared. You know, I try to always remove the variables and I try to, um, learn and educate myself on as much as I can about the places I'm going so that when those moments happen, I'm somewhat ready, you know, and that can even come down to just how you set up your camera the night before. So that in the morning, if there's something happens at sunrise, you're ready for it. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that there's a lot more uh, kind of luck involved in photography, but you're, you're so right. It's a combination of the preparation uh, to be in the right place at the right time and have the right equipment. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about your photography is that with each picture you post, I think you say something really meaningful as well. And there was something you said about one of your photos that actually really relates to this uh, that I'd love to share <laughs> with everyone and, and get your thoughts on. Uh, you said when Definitely. I was young, I used to think that in order for a photo to be good, it had to be technically perfect. So light color, composition, exposure, etc. cetera. It was kind of suffocating creatively. I think that now more than ever, I've realized it's what you shoot that matters. More importantly, what you say about it and what it says about you. Um, I think that's really interesting to see that evolution um, between really focusing on the fundamentals to moving more towards the bigger picture. Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, I think that that was kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm all, to be honest, I'm always like sort of like pulling myself back, you know, a little bit, like I'm trying not to be too over the top, like, Hey, this, this, and this is what's important, you know? Cause I, I just never want to be somebody who's trying to point out, you know, what, what people should and shouldn't do. Cause it's all about creativity and it should always be about what's fun. Definitely. Right. Um, but But to be honest, I feel like there is a there is a big um, there's a common misconception. And that's that, you know, we we need to emulate these perfectly beautiful, crisp, sharp, amazing images. And and, and especially what we see online, you know, it's the same perception that females have of like their body. You know, it's like, oh, how can I perfect myself? You know, and the truth of the matter is the photos that and I've just the beauty is that it's it's the demographic that I speak to that, that has really helped. Instill this mindset in me meaning like that the people that follow me they've they've really reinforced this is that In order for a photo to be good I think that one of the main things it has to have is a story there and I've I noticed that the more I share the more I'm willing to share the more engagement comes out of it and the more honesty comes out of it. And, and honestly, I feel better about it because I'm able to truly expand upon what it was like to be there in the settings and the, you know, the emotions and and all of those things that really go into creating the photograph. Like that's what I aim to, to share. Um, and so, you know, one of the biggest flaws I see, and you get, this isn't just about Instagram. You get, this is just about, um, being a photographer in general, right? Like the, the whole, big in the grand scheme of things. Like if you shoot and you craft this beautiful work, um, but you simply attach somebody else's, you know, words to it, you're really giving that away. You're giving that work away. You know, this is the place online, social media, whatever you want to call it. This is the place where you make your own quotes This is the place where you, you allow people to, um, know what you stand for, what you, what is meaningful to you. And so That being said, I just, I think it's now more than ever so important for photographers to use their voice. You can't just hide behind a camera anymore. You know, you can't just sort of be this, like, I don't know, this, this great technical shooter, but really have nothing to say. And so what I feel like it's, it's, it's really paramount to understand what is my role in this whole thing? What do I stand for and how do I make what I stand for known to others? right? Absolutely.
2: I think that kind of the age old saying that a photo is worth a thousand words, uh, comes to mind. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I think that's just, I, 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 I think about that one a lot and I, and I honestly think it's like, you know, it's worth a thousand words is a thousand words. Like that's just the truth behind it. Because in the, in a day and age where everything can be misconstrued and, and seen as, as something it's not, it's, it's more, it's just really important to kind of give, um, give people an insight to what you stand for and what your images are meant to, uh, meant to say to others, you know? So
2: absolutely. What, yeah. what impact do you want to have on others through those images and the stories that you're telling?
0: Um, you know, that there is, you know, I, I learned this a long time ago and I, and I feel like it's taken me a long time to really perfect it and, and figure it out. Um, but to be honest, I think just, Everybody needs to have a mantra in their life, some sort of mission statement behind their work. It really helps you to stand for something if you know what the goal is, right? What you're trying to, um, what you're trying to achieve. And for me, a big part of that has just been simply that I want to inspire people to travel and and seek out experiences that are outside their comfort zone. Um, as, as cliche as that sounds, I, I know full well that, um, that those places that you see in magazines, you know, I used to stare at them every day. Those, you know, those, you know, distant shores, like they're always going to be distant until you actually go there. You know, they're, they're never going to get closer to you. No amount of thinking about it or researching it or anything is going to make those places more real until you stand on that frozen beach somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you feel what it feels like. And that's that's an experience that you you really can't put a value on. And so I just. I I want to urge people to, to consistently seek out that experience, those experiences, those places, wherever it is they might be, or whatever it is they they might think they'll gain there. I think that the important thing is that you just go. You have to go. You know. I couldn't um, agree more. So. It's
2: kind of like uh, you know the Nike slogan: "Just do it." Just get out. Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> I totally, hundred percent.
2: Absolutely. Just do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I promise this podcast is not sponsored by Nike, but uh, you know, they've always been a big influence for me. And I love that yeah. saying and it's so true. Uh, what do you think is the biggest hindrance uh, that people have that hold them back from going out and really taking hold of what they want to accomplish? And what advice would you give to others who really want to emulate what you've done and pursue their dreams?
0: um shoot that's a big question um i think that i think there's a lot of things there but to be honest i think one of the key components is just to just to it's fear you know it's 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 um it's fear it's acceptance photographers are constantly in see in, in search of validation you know um that's one of the bummer things um, that i find marshall is just that people you're constantly looking for a pat on the back you're constantly showing your work to somebody and you're basically just putting it in front of this editor and waiting for them to basically tell you what's wrong with it. Right. That's a really like bummer place to be in, to be honest. So what I find and what I found is that myself and, and many others who have developed these careers in photography, we've actually kind of had this almost like, I guess, in, I can't really find a better word for it, but like a spirit quest where like you, we've spent this long duration of time shooting with no purpose other than shooting. And that's always the thing I tell people is like, you want to, you want to perfect your style. You want to create something that's your own, go out and live and breathe photography for, you know, six, you know, 60 days. I don't know, whatever it is. I, I spent 50 days on a road trip of California in a VW bus and ultimately made a book out of it when I was like 21. But that was something that really, really was formative for my career. And, um, so I, I just, I guess that to me is like one of the most important things, you know? Um, and I, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to just really, I guess, empower people to, um, to figure out, you know, what it is they can do to really immerse themselves in photography. And that's how I think you grow as a person. Um, and, and, and that will help dispel some of those fears, right. And dispel some of that. Like when you, when you have confidence that your work is good and your style is your own, then it's a lot easier to go out in the world.
2: Absolutely. And. And speaking of of kind of overcoming your fears, uh, one of your quotes that you said before that I really liked as well is that the easiest way to find out what someone fears losing is to look at what they photograph. What do you think right. your biggest fear is? And, 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 and,
0: and I definitely don't take credit for that quote. I think I read something similar to that somewhere and I, and I just really loved it. But it, it just rang true, you know. Oh, Absolutely. it's so true. I mean, what you what you turn your lens towards and what you just what you spend your time on. Um, that's that's ultimately what you're gonna care about and 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 it's not like it's a you know It's it's pretty common for for, for artists and people uh, In that sphere of influence to to want to share what they love and and that's for me That's what I that's what and why I do it right. So Absolutely. um, Yeah, yeah,
2: that's awesome. Well with for someone being so young that has accomplished so much I I usually don't ask this question Um but i would love to know what do you want your legacy to be through your work and through everything you've done
0: uh shoot you know i i really to be honest i just want um i just want to leave photographs behind that are going to be around a lot longer than i am to be honest that's 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 the biggest and most important thing i think i could ever do is um is to to put behind a body of work that's timeless and that doesn't you know isn't dated by um, a, you know some trends or logos or whatever that might be and and I just want people when they look at my photographs to to be inspired to go to places because here's the reality I love the outdoors I love wild spaces I love wilderness I I've been, I've learned how to better care for it over these last 10 years or so but um, but ultimately you know Marshall it's it's something where like if you want people to care about these places they have to see them themselves and so Um, in the end, I don't really want to be, um, I don't really want the accolades to come to me. I want the accolades to go to nature and I I just hope that people will ultimately be able to see the beauty of those places through my work and, and hopefully want to be there. You know, that's, that's the best I think compliment you could ever give is if, is if a photograph makes you want to move, makes you want to go somewhere, do something like that's really powerful, probably more powerful than standing on the Ted stage or, you know, covers or books or anything that I could ever receive in my career, that would be, that would be it.
2: Absolutely. Well, I, I guarantee that there are many people out there who have inspired to go out and do that exact same thing through your photography <laughs> and through the stories you've shared. So I, I know Ho- it's, hopefully, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I bet there really are. So I, I know it's hard to, to realize the impact you have, um, as the person doing it, especially when, Uh, when that impact might be something extremely um, kind of life-changing for someone who may just never have had the chance to tell you. Um, But I I think you've done an incredible job with inspiring people to change their life and really have a greater appreciation for nature and and go out and hopefully experience the things that they were afraid to experience um, that you inspired them to do. So thanks so much for all the work you've done. And it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show, Chris.
0: Oh, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate your time and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing it when it comes no, out.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Well, I think it's uh, hopefully going to help inspire even more people to check out your photography and go start a lifestyle of, of loving the outdoors and appreciating the, the nature that we have. So awesome. thanks so much, Chris. I can't wait to see all the amazing things you do in the future. And it's been a pleasure to have
0: you on the show. Cheers. Thank you so much, Marshall. See you, man. This podcast is brought to you by Vestigo. A peer-to-peer adventure-sharing platform that lets people experience the best an area has to offer by connecting with the local professionals that both have the gear and the knowledge to facilitate incredible and unique outdoor experiences. People have even called it an Airbnb for outdoor guides. Recently, we talked to Tyler, a fan of Vestigo who has gone on four trips so far.
1: Let's see here. So I guess the most memorable so far is uh, Mount Yona. It's my favorite spot. I've gone there with Vestigo, and then naturally I've gone there by myself a couple times afterwards because I loved it. Most memorable because I went rappelling off the side of a mountain for the first time. Do you think you would have gone rappelling if you were not on a Vestigo trip? I do not. No. Uh, Maybe someday in the future. Uh, Of course, just like anything else, you'd be like, yeah, I can get around to that. Vestigo allowed it to be like, let's do it. You want to do it? Here's when, here's where. You know, let's go.
0: What would you say to someone that is on the fence about going on a trip?
1: Go. Go now. It's It's – you just can't beat it. You can't do it yourself. It's not like they're providing someone the motivation to do something that they could do themselves but maybe don't. I mean, and, and and they can, but it's just there's nothing matched going in a group. I mean, if you want to go on vacation somewhere, whether you want to do some activity, like having the group of people makes it – just makes it. And uh, so so going to do something for the first time with – 10 to 15 other people who might also be doing it for the first time that maybe i know them maybe i don't we can kind of share our you know nerves or experiences or how awesome it was afterwards um and then just going with someone that knowledgeable um you know it's it just all around i enjoyed it so much that i've
0: gone back three times since vestigo an adventure sharing platform that provides people the knowledge confidence and safety to repel off a cliff for the first time to learn more about vestigo Visit their website at vestigo.co, V-E-S-T-I-G-O dot When you sign up for your trip, use the promo code PODCAST and receive 10% off your first trip. Vestigo. Find an adventure, book a trip,
2: go.